Thanks for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. We pray that this message is both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith in Jesus. We are happy to provide this resource to you, but as you know, this alone cannot meet the need we all have for fellowship and corporate worship. So we hope you'll be able to join us this Sunday at 10 a.m. Or if you're not in the area, give us a call and we'll do our best to help you find a good church to visit. For now, here is this week's message. So in my family, every year I initiate the same conversation. Once we see all the Christmas decorations being put out, usually in what, September nowadays? Is that when it starts, around September? All the Christmas decorations come out. Um, I say that this year is going to be a different year. This year, I mean, the kids don't really need anything. This year, we're going to take it easy. We're going to relax. And we're just, we're just not going to spend all that this Christmas. But then every year, at Black Friday... All the logic I've built up for those three months about how we're not going to do it this year all goes out the window. I get in Christmas present shopping mode. I do the majority of Christmas shopping for the family because I just get hooked and I can't stop and I just start in present mode. And I'd have to say, I'm, listen, I don't brag a lot. But I'm pretty good at Christmas shopping. Like Christmas present shopping, I'm pretty good at. And it didn't start out that way. I mean, I had to learn how to shop for a family because, you know, I didn't know what that looked like. And I had a lot of failures working through all that. For instance, I had to learn that you never buy your wife a vacuum cleaner for Christmas or for, you know, something along those lines for Christmas or their birthday. It doesn't matter how much it costs. It doesn't matter how much you need one. You never buy that for those special moments. Now, to be fair, here's what's going on in the guy's mind. In the guy's mind, they're thinking, listen, a vacuum cleaner's a tool. I like tools. I wouldn't mind getting a tool for my birthday or present to, you know, piddle around the house and and do all these projects. Like, I wouldn't mind getting a new drill to, to work out my hobbies. Like, I like tools. You should like tools. Like, this isn't that big of a deal. But here's the difference. Nobody vacuums as a hobby. Right? Nobody's like, hey, I just can't wait to vacuum. I'm thrilled about taking time off work to go vacuum at the house, right? So it's not the same thing. Guys, just trust me on this one. So moving forward, right? This year was an interesting year for Christmas because my daughter decided she didn't want to tell me what she wanted for Christmas. The boys did as boys usually do. And I said, Daniela, you know, she's not. And I said, what, what do you want for Christmas? She was like, I don't know. And I, I mean, when I'm talking about Christmas, it's not like the little things, but like that gift, right? Like the big gift. Like, like what do you want? Like, what, what's this present that you know that you're going to get that I can just get you and it's going to be awesome and, and exciting? Like, what, what do you want for Christmas? She said, I don't know. I said, you got to give me some ideas. I mean, people are asking. You don't like normal girl things, right? That's just true. She doesn't. And I said, so, so what is it that you want? She was like, you're my dad. You should already know what I want. <laughs> And I said, oh my goodness, I have two of you in my house now. I don't know if they had a conference when I wasn't around, like this is what you do to the men in your life, I'm not sure. But she just decided to stress me out. The boys, I mean, we already knew the big gifts, like the man gifts, it was super easy. But Daniela wouldn't give me anything. The only thing she said, she goes, well, Dad, she goes, I just want another kitten. I was like, no. 
We already got a cat. I'm not getting another kitten. I'm tired of animals in the house. We're just not doing that. And so we moved on from that, and she just wouldn't give me anything else, that like special gift that daddy picked out. So we got a new cat this Christmas. <laughs> Here's a peek behind the Hoffman household Christmas morning. Take a look. Last gift. So beat that any guy who tries to take my daughter from me. That's what I got to do. Good luck. Now, do you remember how it feels to pick that special gift for someone? And maybe you haven't done it in a long time, and maybe you should start doing it again. But do you remember that point in your life where you put a lot of energy, a lot of time to get that special gift for someone that you love, that you cherish, just, just to like bring them a bit of joy during maybe the holiday season or a birthday or something like that? I mean, we all, whether we admit it or not, we all appreciate when someone picks a meaningful, special gift out for us because in that moment, it communicates a whole lot of things. It communicates how much they thought about you. It communicates how much they know you. It communicates that out of everything else you have to do in this world with your time and your schedule and the busyness, that you took time out of all of that to think about them, to work through this thing. Like you elevated them and thought of them in those moments and prioritized their feelings to bring them joy and happiness in that small moment with this gift. Hence why vacuum cleaners never work. What's so amazing about that whole idea, about the gift giving, that unique, special thing that we do to each other or for each other, what's so amazing is that God has done that very thing for you and for me. God has picked out a special, unique gift for each one of us. You see, that's what we're going to learn today as Paul continues the conversations with the church at Corinth. We've turned the corner in the book of 1 Corinthians, and we're talking about proper Christian worship. We've been through a lot of this letter so far. I didn't realize how long we've been in this book, but it's been a while. But what we've learned is this church just doesn't have it all together, and we've learned that perhaps we don't have it all together, and many of the same things they faced, we still face today. And what we learn... Today, and as we, he, he turns attention to this idea of worship and what it looks like when we come together, he's continuing now with this idea, this new idea to them. Perhaps not for you, but try to look at this through a new, new eyes this morning, that God has picked something out very special just for you. So he turns his attention to a question they've asked him. Look what he says, 1 Corinthians 12, 1. He says, now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. 
Now, what this literally says, uh, it says, now regarding your questions about spiritual things, he actually doesn't use the word gift or abilities yet. Translators are getting ahead of Paul to kind of bring the context together. But what's happening is they're confused in their interest. They're saying, hey, we're struggling trying to understand those spiritual things. Have you ever questioned and wondered what does it look like to be spiritual? I have. You ever met a super Christian that seemed to have it all figured out? I once talked with a pastor search committee a while ago and went, went through the first interview and seem, uh, things seemed to go well. And I asked them a normal question. I said, so what's your timeline for all this? And the guy spoke up and I said, okay, let me hear. He said, well, we don't want to get ahead of God and move too fast. I said, okay. He said, but we don't want to get behind God and move too slow. And I just looked at him and thought, you said nothing. But everybody's shaking their heads because he has this spiritual answer, right? He's, he's saying the right things, but in saying the right things, said absolutely nothing. He was just trying to be spiritual, sound spiritual. And so they're asking Paul, like, what does it look like to be a Christian? How does all this work? Like, they're not coming from a neutral place in life for spiritual things. They come from all sorts of different backgrounds, and, and maybe you do too. Some of you come from super conservative backgrounds where like the spiritual gifts weren't talked about. Some of you come from charismatic churches where that's all that was talked about. And some of you come from other beliefs where you, this Christianity thing's a new thing and spiritual stuff just kind of sounds weird and outdated, like science and logic is how we need to think through things now. So we all have to be aware what's going on is like we all have preconceived ideas and notions about these spiritual things before we get into it. Here's their issue. So St. Paul, what does it look like to be spiritual? Verse two, he says, well, you know that when you were still pagans, non-believers, you were led astray and swept along in the worship of speechless idols. He said, well, first, you need to be aware that you're susceptible to get this wrong. While we may not be accustomed to talk about spiritual things in everyday life, they were. Remember, they're physical and spiritual. They weren't disconnected. So they, they had these spiritual conversations. He's like, yeah, but the spiritual stuff you talked about when you were pagans wasn't real. Like you followed gods that couldn't talk or speak. You worship things that weren't even real. So you just have to know your preconceived notions about the spiritual ideas and realm and how all that works. Like you've got it very wrong before. So just know that's possible. So he gives them some filters to think through this. He says, first, number, verse three, he says, so I want you to know that no one speaking by the spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So for something to be spiritual, the only way for it to be spiritual and from God is first the confession of who Jesus is must come first. You must declare that Jesus is Lord. And what he's telling them and telling us, if, if you grew up in a non-Christian home especially, he's saying, hey, all that spiritual stuff you talked about before, it wasn't from the Lord, it's not from the Lord because they didn't declare Jesus is Lord. 
And now that doesn't mean, listen, that doesn't mean that people who claim Jesus as Lord can't get it wrong. I mean, there are plenty examples of that happening in our culture today. But here he's shutting down their old influences. He's saying that stuff you grew up, it wasn't from the Lord because they didn't declare Jesus as Lord. So because that declaration of who he is, it didn't come from God. He's saying, so that confession of faith, first for things to be spiritual, has to be centered around Jesus Christ and who he is. Now for us, a direct application for us to think through in our lives would be, how much are you letting other people's wisdom and spiritual things influence you that are non-believers? How much does a non-believer, someone who doesn't have the same basis of faith, doesn't believe in Jesus, doesn't believe in the same morals and ethics and, and all that he came to do, how much of that are you allowing influence your everyday life? That's what he's saying, like, hey, we gotta start with Jesus. He's the center of all this. And for things to be truly spiritual, it has to come from God and the confession of faith matters. Remember, we're taught in the scriptures that the Holy Spirit draws us to God. He's the one who nudges us. He's the one who convicts us. He's the one who brings about this saving faith. Like, we can't do that on our own. And so the Spirit of God must be working, and then he, and then he saves us and empowers us and resides in us. So it's just, for it to be a spiritual thing, it has to be a thing from Jesus and about Jesus. But he says, what all this looks like? He says, first, start with Jesus, Lord. But then what all this looks like, it's kind of difficult to pin down. He says this, verse four. He says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit, the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. So here we see Paul laying down the, tr the Trinitarian belief system that we have the Father, the Son, and the Spirit all working together in our lives. Now the common language you've heard if you've been in church for a while is the idea of spiritual gift, uh, but another way to understand it or translate it would be this idea of grace gift. I like that wording because it's new. It causes us to lean in and think about it a little bit different. It makes us just think like what, not just spiritual good, but it's a grace. It's something that he has given us. And Paul says, listen, there's different types of gifts. Like this works very different for everyone, but although there's different gifts, the same source is the spirit. And because we're gifted different and we are different, there's gonna be different ways in which we enact that gift. We use that gift. So there'll be different services or different ministries. So we're gifted different, and because we're gifted different, even if you and somebody else has the same gift, you have a different background, it's gonna look different in the ministries and the way you serve the Lord. And although that's different, the point and service of all our ministries is, well, Jesus. And so well, there's different giftings. We're all gonna serve the Lord in a different way. But the cool thing is, verse six, I love it. It's, it's, I love how NLT translated. They helped a lot with some of the standard translations. But he says, God works in different ways. He's like, listen, when you think through all this, you think about the Holy Spirit, you think about the ministries, what's really happening, it's God is working in different ways. Like God's doing a good work in each one of us. And while God's doing a good work in us, we're then gonna go do his good works out there with other people. And so regardless of what it looks like, it's the same God, it's the same source working all of this out. 
Like God wants to work in your life and my life. He's a God of transformation. So he wants to do a special work in you to then do special works through you. God is the source of all of this. So this, these gifts and this working. And he explains, verse seven, he says, a spiritual gift is given each one of us so we can help each other. So every single one of us has been given a gift from the Lord for the work of other believers. This isn't a natural ability. It's not something that you can, uh, this isn't something that you just were born with. This is something different, something that he's given you for the benefit of his body, the church. And we think if we're honest, let's be honest for a moment. Don't raise your hands. We think, yeah, but if I get a gift, I want it for me. Like, I want it. I don't want to share it. I don't know what to tell you. Other than you're selfish. But we all are. Like, every single person has a selfish nature. It's in all of us. And listen, just acknowledge it. And let's move on. Like, we can be a little bit selfish. But the whole point of this gift isn't to promote us, isn't to make us money, isn't about us at all. It's about other people. It's about serving other people people, which means when we talk about gifts or we see people service the Lord, we work through all this. It should not create jealousy. It could not, should not create strife. It should not create envy. We realize like, hey, God's doing a good work in them then through them. That's okay. That, that's great. Like I'm, I'm excited about that. It's not for private use. It's not for self-promotion. It's all about God. And he gives us some examples of what this looks like. Verse eight, next slide. He says, to one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. Now I wanna talk to church people real quick. If you've been in church for a long time, I need to talk to you. Because if you've been in church for a long time, you have at some point, or at least you've heard, you know, this idea of really criticizing other preachers and other teachers. But I think this right here, if we pause and think through this, can really help you understand what God does. Because we can think about this, say, well, that preacher, he's just too topical. He's not deep enough for me. We can say other preachers, well, they're deep enough. They, they talk about this stuff. They're just really intentional. I don't understand them. Or we think this guy's not inspiring enough or this guy's too challenging. But I want us just to look right here and understand that God gives different speakers different what? Gifts and abilities. And guess what? It's okay. Like even in the Christian community, like we like to tear other Christians apart. It, we shouldn't. Because it's the same spirit and the service of the same Lord. And it's God working through them. It's all about building up the body. You see, my favorite preacher, his name's Andy Stanley. Some of you have heard me talk about him before. He clearly has, without a shadow of a doubt, he has this gift of wisdom. He can put things together and give advice like I've never heard before in my life. And it's just like, man, that has to be from the Lord. But then you have other people, like my favorite scholars, this guy named N.T. Wright. He has this special gift of knowledge where he can just understand and remember things. And I just hear him talk and I'm like, man, his IQ goodness, it's crazy good. I mean, just his ability is amazing. 
And so I like both of them. It's not that one's better than the other or one preacher's better than another preacher. It's they're gifted in different ways. And like, that's an okay thing. When we see these giftings come out, they're gonna be indifferent for different people in different seasons. And like, we just acknowledge that that's an okay thing. That's a good thing. Like God's working through these people. We don't need to criticize or tear down. Especially if you've been in church for a while, because listen, for me, I listen to all sorts of different preachers. I listen to Joel Osteen. And listen, you say what you want, but that guy has a way of inspiring you like nobody else. And I just want to be able to smile like the man. I'm going to be honest. I wish I could smile like the guy. And you can think what you want or say what you want, but listen, here's the deal. I'm mature enough in my faith to understand. I don't expect him to be my theologian because he never claims to be. I don't expect him to know all things and I don't expect anybody I listen to for me to agree with them. Listen, if I'm honest, I don't agree with myself half the time. I look at some of my old sermons and I go, what in the world was I thinking? Like, that's not right, you're wrong. And that was last week, right? I mean, I'm going, (laughs) my goodness. And so like sometimes as Christians, as mature believers, as you start maturing, you realize that like, hey, heck, it's okay. God gives different people in different ways, and it's the collectiveness, it's the coming togetherness, we see that God uses it to build up his body. So my point is, there's great value in appreciating the differences people bring, because let's stop it from out there, right, like other preachers and teachers, and let's look about in here. How often can we criticize people because they're not like us, because they don't think like us? because they don't have the same passions, because they don't have the same drives, because they don't value the same things. As a pastor, I hear about it all the time. Hey, pastor, you know what? Here's what I think you need to do, and I love it. If you've been around me long enough, you know what happens next. I hear it, I'm like, man, that's great. The Lord is telling you to do that, isn't he? They said, no, no, it's a message for you. I said, no, I'm pretty clear about what the Lord's asked me to do. Sounds like he's put a burden on your heart for that. But we can get what's called gift envy or gift jealousy. We can get mad at other people for not being as excited as we are about something. But we have to understand if you were excited, if you were passionate about something, that is a gift from the Lord and a passion for the Lord for whom? You. And if you embrace your gifting and your passions, and I I embrace my giftings and my passions, and everybody else, can you imagine what could happen, church? Instead of picking on each other, we focus on us and our relationship with the Lord and how that manifests to other people. You're talking about an amazing thing going on in a church because that's what Paul's talking about here. We're different. Let's keep going. Verse 9. He said, the same spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophecy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages or tongues, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. And so we'll just quickly go over. Some have been given great faith. They are trusting in God in this unique way and ready to step out and do amazing things. And if you're one of the cautious people who always need to look at numbers and always are worried about planning ahead and making sure everything's perfect, you have to understand if you have enough money and you know what you're doing, is that faith? Nope. Faith is the unknown. 
the God, if, if I step out, I don't, I don't have enough, but I'm gonna step out and let's see what you can do. Is that faith? Some of us are like, no, that's stupid. That's faith. It's the unknown. It's I'm not sure. It's I don't know what lies ahead and I gotta do it anyways because this is where God's calling me. Like faith is all about the unknown. And so if you're a little bit more cautious, that's okay. We need you too. But hang out with people who have great faith. Let them kind of rub on you and y'all work through that a little bit. Some have the gift of healing. He says miracles. We know what that is. Prophecy. Prophecy is not just about telling the future, but it's also forth telling a message from God, understanding his word and, and communicating that. Some have discernment. Some speak in tongues. Some interpret tongues. You're like, hey, Brian, let's talk about tongues. Hey, let's not. <laughs> we'll get there. He talks about it for a little while, and Alan will accidentally be preaching that week, okay? But no, he'll talk about this gifting for a while, and he'll explain it more in 14. When we get there, we'll dive into it a little bit more. But there's no need to talk about it up front. If you've been in church, you know what I'm talking about, because he's going to explain it out for quite a bit. So let's just lean in and listen, hear what he says and what he doesn't say. And by the time we come back to it, it should all make perfect sense for Alan to explain it to us, okay? Verse 11, here's his point. He says, it is the one and only spirit who distributes these, all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So he's repeating the point he's already made. The spirit gives these. The spirit decides what you should have and how that works out in your life, which means every single one of us has a place in the body of Christ. Every single one of us brings value and has a special gifting from the Lord for our church. You have a specialization from the Lord that nobody else has to use to glorify him and build up his body. And here's the thing, you don't decide. You can't earn it. You receive it and work through it and try to figure out what that is. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But so here's the deal. As far as our faith is concerned, and far to, as, as far as the giftings, the world is concerned, the greatest gift we've ever received is our salvation in Jesus Christ. We are broken and wounded by sin. You know that. The world's not right. It's not like it should be. We desperately needed rescuing, so God came to us. He took responsibility. Jesus did for our sins, died for him on a cross, saves us, and says, hey, I'll forgive you of all your sins, like of everything you've done, you come to me. He's paid for, which means he's redeemed us, he's bought us, and now we can have this everlasting relationship with the Father, what we were created for, we can now have with him through Jesus Christ, and all you and me have to do is repent, which is turn from, and turn towards, which is believe in Jesus Christ. Like, it's an amazing gift. It's all about grace. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. He's already done it. We just receive salvation through Jesus Christ. But not only does he give you that gift, that's a general gift for everybody. He has another gift that he's uniquely picked out for you. Where the spirit comes into your life, he empowers you and gives you this gift to use for his service. He's specifically, like my daughter opening that box. Well, I guess the box opened itself, didn't it? The cat jumped out. Kind of the same thing. Your gift kind of just jumps out. It's there for your taking. Like you have it. You, it, it. You've embodied it if you're saved. And now it's just for you to reach out and take hold of. You see, each gift, and this is what's so cool about it. Think about it this way. 
Each spiritual gift, if you have one or more than one, is God's presence in your life being displayed for other people. This is what your gift is, is the special way God wants you to reflect him in this world. A way that only you can because of your unique abilities and how he's created you. Your gift is a special way in in which you represent him. Like, and if you don't do it, nobody can be you. This is your service to glorify him. It's a special way for you to do his activity in the world. And the coolest thing about this gift is there's no batteries required. As long as your heart beats, it works. As long as your heart's going, you have it. As long as your heart's going, you can use it for his service. And so my question is simple. Are you using your gift for his glory? Are you using your gift to aid our church in making and maturing disciples of Jesus Christ? And it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter how old you are. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you have been gifted. That's what we believe. That's what the scriptures teach us. And here's the greatest thing about this. Lean in. If you've you've tuned out, pay back attention. It's important. Sin does not disqualify you from service. We're all sinners, folks. Now, sin may disqualify you for an office in the church or a leadership role for a season, perhaps longer. I'm not sure we can work through that. But sin does not disqualify you from using the gift he's given you. So you're like, hey, I'm a sinner. I can't do this. Hey, we're all sinners. We've been saved. Let's move on. Let's get into service. Let's embrace that gifting because I can't find one verse in all the scriptures. If you found one, let me know about it. That says, hey, there's certain things that you've done, then you can no longer be used for his glory. I see our God's the God of redemption. The God who turns things around. The God who can take broken, messed up, confused people and use them in amazing ways for his glory. Like that's what I see over and over again in scripture. Our God is a giver. And he gives us these gifts and wants us to then give them for the service of his body. And so here's a recap. We're gonna talk more about this next week. First, God has given you a gift. Each of us, it's just, that's the way it is. There's no exceptions. God has given you a spiritual gift and your gift is for other people. It's not for you. It's for you to do. It's, It's for other people. And your gift is one of the ways God works in your life and through your life for his glory. And so can you imagine with me, if we embraced what Paul says, just just think about this. What if we embraced each one of us that God has chosen you and he's equipped you with a special, unique way for you to serve him? Imagine if you you just looked past all the self-loathing, self-doubt, and embraced that you really are special, that God really does love you, and he really has chosen you with this gift that says, hey, I need you to do this for me. What if we look past all that other stuff, all that other stuff that just wants to destroy us, say, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough. Like, I hear you. I'm not good enough, and I'm not smart enough, and I've done a lot of messed up things, and yet here I am. Like, that's the way God works. Because it doesn't bring glory to me, it brings glory to him. And I've said a hundred times, you'll hear me say it a hundred more times, if God can use someone like me, 
I can't imagine what he can do with you. And just imagine if you embrace that in your life. And can you imagine if a local church, every single person stepped up into their gifting and used it for his glory. If we used our gift, we said, hey, I've been gifted in this area and I wanna step up and use it for the benefit of everybody else in the room. I'm gonna use it to serve them, to help them grow, to help them mature. Because I believe we have in this room and in our church every gift we need to meet every need in this church. I believe that's what the scriptures teach us. So if there's a need in our church, I believe we have a gift. Someone has that gift and the ability to step up and lead through that and work through that in this church. But I believe it's, I believe it's bigger than that. I believe God brought you to be a part of this church, to not only serve the church, but for our church to serve the community. And I imagine if everybody stepped up and served and we're like, hey, Brian, I've been to church. It's just not for me. I don't want a community. I don't want this. Listen, I just need to ask you, listen, I love you. Do you want to be a Christian or not? Like sometimes we just got to be like, do I really want Jesus? Like he's never offered to get out of hell free card. Like that's it. Just here, pass, go, you're good. That's not what our faith is. It's so much bigger, folks. So that's what it means to be a Christian. It's, it's like Christ. It's, he's saying, hey, he's building this kingdom and he come to rescue the world. And he's like, hey, come on. He's like, I'm, I'm busy. I got some work to do. He's like, are you for real? Like, I want to change the world, save the entire universe. Like, come on. You're like, no, nah, I got other things to do. Like, what do you got bigger to do than that? Like, what's greater than that? Nothing. So if, you, if you're for real about your faith and maybe you haven't done it yet, that's okay. There's always a new day. Like, come be a part of what he's doing. Come be a part of what God is doing in this world. And can you just imagine if we embraced each other for what we lack and like, hey, I know you're not gifted in this area, but I am. I'm gonna step up and together we're gonna do this for God's glory because none of us are supposed to be Jesus. We need each other. And we'll talk more about the interdependence of the body next week. And listen, if you're like, Brian, I don't know about this stuff. That's what we have growth track for. Growth track is all about this. 101 is understanding the purposes of the church. Number two, your spiritual disciplines. Number three, excuse me, 301 is all about discovering your purpose. The entire class is about this working through your spiritual gifts, thinking about your spiritual gifts, taking some inventories that may help you process this. Like we have these things in place for you. So come on, come be a part of what God is doing in this world. And lastly, almost done. If you're ready, if you're like, hey, I know I've just, I just need to step up. Like I'm ready to kind of work through it in your bulletin. And your worship God, you will see a list of things of current needs that we have. And if you're ready to turn the corner and you're ready to start serving, all you gotta do is check one of those boxes, drop it in one of the drop boxes as you leave. We'll get in contact with you this week. And so listen, if you're unsure, start in 101. If you already have some giftings and some abilities, you're like, hey, I'm ready to get started, sign up. And if you're like, I'm not sure what to do next, let one of us know. Fill out a connection card and one of our pastors will meet with you and talk with you and work through this with you. Because here's the deal, and I'm done, almost done. I have never met one person who was near dying or working through that season of life who has regretted the service to Jesus Christ. But I have met plenty 
who are at the end of their life or nearing the end of their life, who realize their life, what they gave their life to was a waste. And they're about to meet their maker whom they claim to have known their entire life, but they really don't know. And they don't have a relationship with. And in those moments, they're scared, they're nervous, and they don't really know. Like, I'm about to go meet this God that I don't know. Build that relationship with him, folks. Because all of us are gonna meet him one day. All of us are gonna bow before him one day. And all of our goal, at least I hope your goal is, I know mine is, is one day to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just smile at the thought that we are all unique and special and that you've picked out a special gift for us so we can partner with you in this world. Father, we humbly confess our confusion and our selfishness at times. Help us reclaim that childlike faith, the one of anticipation and excitement to discover and use our gifts as you intended. Father, help us be honest with ourselves and help us have the boldness to step up and take an active part in your kingdom here on this earth. Father, we pray that your will is done, not ours. In this precious name of Jesus, amen.